Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mestagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello everyone, my name is Chloe Mistag and I'm your host today for the Secure Your Strategy podcast with ITSP Magazine. And today I have a wonderful guest, Rebecca. Rebecca, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wing, Global Strategist as well as CISO. You can catch me on LinkedIn if you want to go ahead and use my advisory services. I am the host of the Sorpol CXO, where we speak about leadership, core principles, health, wellness, and resiliency, and I'm also the host of Threat Watch, that you can catch monthly show through Bright Talk. Excellent. Okay. So, Rebecca, today we're going to talk about basically toxic work environments. And let's just start off. One thing I know what's happening right now is that CISOs, I think about half the CISOs at this time are thinking about leaving the industry completely. And this is due to like not being heard, not feeling protected, but also it's just not a great work environment. And also we have people in security that are, you know, marginalized genders or, you know, people of color that are dealing with some really horrible inclusion practices or feeling like they're not being heard when they're in the room. And so this is causing a lot of churn and churn at companies. What do you think is some ways of how to go about it in a way where we can reduce some of that toxicity that is existing in the work environment? Because you know the shortage is real. We're losing people in this industry when we're trying to gain more people in this industry. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and you're right, there's about 85% of those people who are in technical roles, not only CISOs, but CTOs, CIOs are looking at leaving the industry right now, and at least 25% of CISOs have already left the industry. On CISOs in particular, I think one of the challenges is that we still don't quite fit in to operations correctly. You know, are we under engineering? Are we under technology? Should we report to general counsel? Should we report to the CEO? Who should we report to? And I'm not talking about Fortune 100, 500 companies. I'm talking about the big middle ground is where most of the, the work is happening right now. So startups, hyper growth, the, the middle online companies. So part of it is, is how do we structure in there? And so what happens as a CISO, I know for me, it's, at times, it's I get into these companies who want me to work literally 24-7, seven days a week, and I want to. Wear, they want me to wear so many hats that even if I can do 999 of the things and hit a home run on, you know, they'll really go ahead and hammer on you that one, that one point. And so that's putting constant trust at all points in time. And when you can't see a win, that how can I holistically come out ahead? That's what's really grading. I think the other thing that's grading is that we can do jail time. And since we do not report directly to the board as in we're really C-suite light, um, even in titles at times, we don't have those same protections. And so if we're looking at privacy and compliance and data protections and GDPR and CCPA and all the other kind of variations around the world, and now I personally can do jail time for it and be personally fine, personal liability, and I don't have those protections, 
you know, is it really worth? Because we it's enterprise risk management is personal risk management. What's my return on efficiency and return on investment? I'm putting so much time in, but I have no protections in place. That's that's the reason I think a lot of us are leaving right now. We have to see a, an upside. And so those of you out there who aren't CISOs, if you haven't hugged your CISO lately, hug them, you know, at least figuratively, maybe for HR, don't really do it in person. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I've noticed in this industry just altogether is that there really isn't any positions that are safe in a sense, because if you're a security researcher or a hacker that's hired, you have no protection still. And then if you're a CISO, you still don't have protections at all. I always think of like the Uber case and, you know, that's one of the most scariest things. So when people are like, have you thought about being a CISO? Or if you want to be a CISO at the same time, you're very frightened to even go forward with that because you know what could happen. You know what you would be facing if something goes wrong or if your advice isn't being listened to at the top, you're going to be fully responsible for that and it's going to impact your life. You know, one of the things that you're seeing some companies do the switchovers because of wearing all those hats I talked about, they might have one overarching CISO or maybe into the risk officer, digital risk officer. And then they're saying is we need an external facing CISO. So dealing with client contracts, dealing with the face of the company that way, maybe another CISO who deals more with internal operations. So you are seeing those segmentations. So it's going to be interesting going forward if we really have the title CISO or if we're going to have something else. That's what I'm looking for, for to. So sometimes it's a cyber transformation security officer. Um, I've been um, cyber strategic officer before, but I think we're seeing a little bit of those changes that way just because there is so much to, take, to try and cover that maybe you need me. Different variations will help take some of that pressure off as well. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned earlier about the whole situation where it comes to CISOs being, you know, over asked to have multiple hats and then also to work long hours 24-7, to be on call 24-7. And I know that the rate of, you know, drinking is incredibly high for CISOs. It's and it's also they're not being able to spend time in their personal life. And so how are they going to manage re- covering from burnout or even dealing with burnout because it it's just it's an equation basically that if you cannot have a balance between your work and personal life you will get burned out but toxic work environments is like the number one cause i remember reading in this research that basically it showcased that, that if you were a leader that could take up to 1 year for you to feel burned out starting at a company if you have a bad work environment and that for if you are someone who is not in management, that it could be less than six months of starting that job that you will encounter um, the sense of burnout and symptoms such as like anxiety and depression. I know personally myself, especially coming off of, of COVID in the 2020, working so many hours globally taking around that I've got my resiliency went down and what we call it burnout, but your health and wellness went down. And it took me a good three to four months to actually cover, even though I am a vegan like yourself. So that's the one thing that I, I tell people. Part of it, I think that we saw too, is unfortunately our, our teams can get hacked pretty quickly. And if you're looking for a company who's looking about saving operational costs, a lot of times it's your top level people who get, who get cut quicker. And so that's what happened to me during that period of time. 
I was left with junior people. And just because you get out of college with a cyber degree does not mean that you know how to put that into practice. So what that caused is it caused me to then become, you know, I'm security lead, I'm the security principal, security engineer, and the analyst, and everything else at once, because I'm trying to train up these junior people who don't know, you know, what they don't know yet. So that's one thing I do cautious um, any company that when you're looking at, do we need to reduce headcount because there's freezes and stuff like that? Try to be very cautious that you're not going ahead and you're not handicapping their CISO by making your CISO do five roles and trying to keep junior people around. I tell people I'd rather have a smaller team of very seasoned people who are hands-on technologists who also can, can speak to the business and get them involved in the business versus to have a lot of junior people because who's going to have to train them and who's going to cover the work? It's the CISO. And that's the, the play that I see consistently. And I just got off with a, a company earlier before we you and I talked. And I was just walking through the exact same problem. They had a CISO. They cut out the, the top level people who are very technologists because of freezes and stuff at the beginning of the year going into December. Now their CISO is totally burned out. And then how can I come in and, and try to alleviate some of that pressure for them? Because what? Your CISO is already burned out. Once you are fully burned out, the only way to recover is that you literally have to be unplugged. So they won't let you go with FMLA or something like that. Then unfortunately, you do have to walk away for three to six months, because if not, you know, you're going to find yourself in the hospital. Yeah, I keep seeing this repeating situation where someone comes up saying, I'm overworked. This is too much. I, I need assistance here. I'm wearing three different hats, five different hats now. And I'm exhausted. And them just be like, okay, and not do anything about it. And then they're wondering why they're dealing with a CISO that isn't doing or performing as they were at the very beginning, how a security team is not performing as well that they were maybe about six months ago. And it just, it becomes one of those things like, I just find it, it's so obvious of what is going on. You're not investing in your people. And so if you're not investing in your people, then that's creating an environment where people don't feel supported. And then they're wondering, what am I doing here? And then that's when you're going to lose those individuals sometimes, or sometimes they're so exhausted. They're not even looking, they're so burned out, too anxious, too depressed to even like do a change because they're afraid. Yeah, I think one thing is, is as soon as you hear anybody in your staff, CISO or anyone else say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, you need to stop right then and there and listen. What is going on? Is it something in the work situation? Maybe there's something's happening in their personal situation that they need extra time off to go handle. I know personally, I had I lost my mom and I had taken care of her as caretaker the whole time for her throughout her cancer, everything like that, burning the candle both ends, you know, with her um, the whole time the last six weeks, three days off for bereavement is not fair on doing that changeover. Even if someone's continuing to work, there's going to be in a fog area. And so that's one of the things that I see quite a lot when people were dealing with COVID, different things along those lines. Could have been that people were passing away. Could have been that you're dealing with a family situation. That they forget to people come back and they are still trying their 100%, but maybe their 100% for that period of time is 75%. Loving them through that and giving them time, that is resiliency. I think too soon people don't 
look about how can I go ahead and help the, this person over this critical period for two months, three months, six months, and then I can have them for six, seven years. That's one thing I see that it gets missing quite a bit, especially in our field. They look at the short term that we have the sprint. We need to get this done in two weeks. And this person quite isn't at their par. They're at 75% now. They did it again. You know what? I'm going to cut bait. You don't see that happen as much in legal and accounting and HR and stuff like that. But we have a habit because of working with engineering and their sprints that we look short-sighted, not long-sighted. And so one of the things for HR business partners out there, and it's more than just that you go to our meeting, but really help us on figure out what's going on with our people. And then how can we have wellness? And I did this very successfully at one of the health companies that I work with. We actually, not only from um, employment engagement perspective, but I was able to go ahead and work with, we had an outside firm that we worked at for like FMA and stuff like that. And for people, maybe they, they threw out their back or something like that. I was able to work with them to go ahead and get the employees like, you know, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that you have physical therapy from two to four. Your physical therapist also says that you need the half hour before that. You need an hour and a half after that. So we block your schedule from three to six. You do not work because you're not going to be at your optimum. So when can you be your optimum? Was it that you can make up the hours on Saturday? Do we need to do you 32 hours for the next several weeks? So working with them to get them back fruition into the workforce. And I'm telling you, the people I work through that, even though they were like initially, hey, you need to be getting rid of these people, they're still with those companies seven, eight years later. So I think part of it's that holistically look at, looking at if you're going through something mental or physical, look at it like you would if someone was in physical therapy, how to work with them through that. I think that's the other thing that's missing to go ahead and keep people longevity. Because right now, CISOs, Six to nine months, 12 months is being a quick turnover rate. I think part of it is because they're not building in those other resiliencies in there and listening to us. Yeah, I think definitely one of the things I've realized about this particular industry is that it's like completely reactive. It's not proactive. No one has time to do it. Everyone's too burned out to do it. Everyone's just reactive and that's how it's been. And so you're going to feel more stressed. You're going to feel more anxious because you probably don't have incident response plans that are up to date. You also haven't done any practices for a while. You have so many tools. You don't even know how many tools you actually have. So when you have to remediate, guess what? It's going to be a long process. And I think one of the things that you mentioned about, you know, having to take time or having the organization understand that, you know, you have a personal life outside and that you want to stay there and remain there. But they also have to consider that that also means investing and giving time to people. And I think the one thing that is always concerning, and I know for myself in the past, and I'm pretty sure maybe, Rebecca, you felt this way at some point, which is any time that something happens in your life and you need to take time off or you need to take care of yourself, something happened, you also feel like you cannot tell them. Because you do not want to be a problem or seen as a problem for the organization. Because I know for myself, I think it has a lot to do with uh, my gender. And so I think that plays a huge role that I don't want them to think that they have to, you know, tip the scales for me or give me extra anything. When in reality, I'm not getting extra anything. They wouldn't, they wouldn't care as much if I was a guy that's like, hey, I have this going on. I need to take time off. But as a woman, when I'm like, hey, I need to take time off because of this, it's like, ooh, I don't think she's serious about her career or, ooh, I don't know how dedicated she is. 
Have you run into those kind of situations in the past? Yeah, I think it's catch-22. I think one of the misnomers, unfortunately, and I'm I'm a transparent person, soulful person. So if you say, hey, we really want to understand what's going on. We want to transform our culture. We want to be more inclusive. We want to be able to help people. We have all these programs to help you. And then once those people use it, they get on the, the docket of HR about, you know, they're using this too many services and things like that. You know, that's one thing. If, if you're going to be transparent in a company and say that we have these services for you to use and we want to be here to make you holistic so you can have a life, work balance, and all that kind of stuff, be honest that that's really what you're going to do and don't use it against people. Instead, use it at a, as an example of how we can, can have somebody work long term. That's the one thing. I That's why I hate that. I, I hate when companies say we're transparent and we're here for you and we have all these benefits. We're family. Yeah. Behind the scenes, I see you using it against you, right? So I just tell companies, don't put it out there. And I also tell people who are looking for a job, really go ahead and pay attention to Glassdoor and things like that. I would tell you, people watch out for the five stars and stuff like that. A lot of times you see it from sales, marketing, and HR. Look at the other ones who say, I can really have a balance. I think one of the things in technology, that, that especially being a CISO or, or, or chief technologist problem is, is that we don't have any off time. When we go ahead and, oh, you have personal time, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about all the stuff we remediate and stuff like that. And I have great lessons from Teresa Payton, first White House um, CIO. And one of the things that she said is she she goes ahead and you know she can block out five minutes of time completely unplugged. And it does not mean that you listen to a podcast about how to be a better CISO or technologist and all that. Maybe you're listening to meditation music. Me, I play trombone, so I might be, I listen to cello drones, but literally take that time to completely unplug, even if they're for micro minutes. Because that's the one thing that people forget there. If And I'm not saying that you don't have people who are finance or HR or other areas that can't think about their job, but technology, we have a habit of thinking it 24 seven, even if we're not, at work. And so we don't really unplug. So we have to force ourselves to take those minutes and unplug from technology. And people are like, why would you do that? I'm like, if you're dealing with technology and you're watching TV, what are you it's thinking all tech. about? <laughs> right. When you're watching TV show and you're, you're watching whatever you're thinking about, you're like, well, how do they act? How do they come in here? That is always running through our brains at all point in time. So we have to take a little bit more ownership on thinking of those. Is it just reading a pleasure book? I juggle at times too. I always have juggle balls around me. And so sometimes it's just taking that micro minute and then juggling for a minute away from my computer just to refocus. So some of that we have to take, we have to train them how to treat us. We have to train them how to have those breaks. And the other thing is, is I think when we talk about people leaving, companies forget that too. In technology, what's the most dangerous thing, one of the most dangerous things right now is that tribal knowledge when it leaves, it's not captured. So think about as we're like doing these WebExes and stuff like that, Zooms, things like that. You can use those to try and capture those golden nuggets. You can always do a transcription, um, you know, internal program to go ahead and transcribe that. Sometimes it's like technology, like I don't have time to write it all down, but you can grab that, that micro Zoom or something like that, that you can use internally to tribal knowledge. That also would not capture that tribal knowledge and those people leaving the company so quickly put stress on the new people coming in because you might have that incident the second minute that you've gotten there. And I've had that happen before where literally I was called out of HR because the company I was becoming a CISO just literally had a major breach 
And I didn't even get a chance. The HR do my 20 minute welcome to the company. And I needed to go run it and, and immediately welcome. talk to key clients before they left the company. Tribal knowledge would have been great. Yeah. Welcome to your first day. And uh, we have a breach. Please yes. take care of it now. Uh, okay. Do you have instant response, but no. Okay. So we're ad hocking. We're ad hocking. What, what tools do we have? We don't know. Great. Yeah, go talk to that $150 million company whose board of directors oh are God. all irritated right now. And you're like, I just started five minutes ago, but trust me. Yeah. Oh God. It just reminds me of the whole Twitter situation. <laughs> like with this, was the personnel that was responsible for the security of the people that go in and out of the building. And basically what happened was like, they let him go early that morning and then everyone was stuck and like to not take the elevator. They couldn't get their car out of the garage. And then like, apparently they contacted him and like, Hey, can you come in and help? And he's like, no. And I was just like, you didn't think this through. This is what happens when you don't think it through. Well, and you've seen that happen before, even from a technology. You yeah. had in Sac- I think it was Sacramento or San Francisco, one of those two places too. The, the one administrator the admin who had all all the passwords and everything, they let that person go as well too. And that you know they didn't think about writing into the paper um, their exit papers that they had, you know, any way to come back. And I've done that before when I've spun out of companies, where you know you think about when you leave a company, then you're not covered under their liability insurance or anything like that. And so they actually came back to want to put me on a contract afterwards going, oh, my God, we forgot that she had all this tribal knowledge of all this other kind of stuff. They wanted me to write a contract with them. But the contract itself put 100 percent of the liability on me if anything went wrong. So I had my legal team review it. My legal team is like, you know, my words, holy crap, Batman, don't ever sign this because. They're literally putting 100% of any liability on you. So even though when I exited and they offered me that contract, I could not then go ahead and sign it because anything possibly in the company, they put me 100% liability versus while I was an employee, then I was covered. And that's the other thing I remind people that when you exit a company, they do offer you extended contract. Yes. Have a legal person review that contract because even though they might be offering you decent money to go ahead and be on call, you might be holding 100% personal liability. And remember, you're no longer employees, so you don't have any coverage whatsoever. So be careful on those as well. Oh God, I want to echo that. That's so important. I remember this one time I got a contract that they would own my face and they could own my voice. And so they could do whatever they want to my face or my voice and or anything like that. And it was the weirdest thing ever I've seen in a contract, basically, that they could reuse me and like their their future campaigns and oh god and I was just like I'm not signing this like this is terrible yeah no, get actors get paid I can get paid too right um mm-hmm. very limited scope but people don't pay attention it's like yeah. you know terms of use privacy policy NDAs all that kind of stuff and he says you know all those cases that's why I have you know, legal people on speed dial, it is worth the money. And I'll just, just because you're talking about that, when you're leaving the company and you're looking at your exit papers, even if you're looking at severed sort of thing like that, have a legal person review it, protect your right. Severance, remember, is to protect them also from legal liability. Yeah. And you can always, the, the deadline and everything, you can always negotiate that to go longer. So if you ever need more time, you can always request for more time. They most likely will give it you more time. 
but don't yeah. settle. No, and don't please settle. Don't ever go ahead and sign it without having a person, you know, review it. It might be fair and equitable, but you should do that sanity check first because you are signing away rights each and every time. They have a legal team who 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 wrote it. Most cases, not always. I did have someone before actually had me look at one, and I'm like, oh my god, they grabbed this from legal some team. sort of some sort of like <laughs> I was going to say name, but some sort of site online. But I was like, I'm like. They didn't even pay attention where they downloaded it from. But yeah, always have legal people take a look at that and just make sure you're protected because you are bound um, lifetimes, lifetime for that. Yeah, definitely on that. What do you think about ways of how to, you know, help also people that are looking and aspiring to become CISOs at this time? Because I think right now there's a lot of messaging out there that they shouldn't even try because there's no protections. Is there any protections that they can have or insure of before joining a company? Well, I'm really known out there several times writing the articles, don't aspire to be a CISO. I, I don't think you should ever aspire to be a CISO. I don't think you should ever aspire to be a title. I think you should aspire to be the best you, you possibly can be. And if that leads you to a title that's Chief Technical Officer, Information Officer, CISO, Bunny, Batman, Batwoman, whatever, Wonder Woman, then that'll be fine. I think too many times we have people coming out of college and stuff like that, and they're aspiring to a title instead of looking to see Venn diagram. What is it that I like holistically as a person, philosophical, spiritually, all that other kind of stuff? But what is it that I like in my career? When you do all that, then you'll lead to more companies that you'll be in line with. I've had my food paws. Everybody's had their food paws. I've had bait and switches. I know you've had bait and switches. Happy to talk to anybody offline about bait and switches and jobs. But holistically, knowing what it is that energizes you day in and day out, I think that's most important. Titles change over the years. And I would tell people just to go ahead and say, I want to be grand or grandma or grand whatever, fupa. I don't think that's ever good. What is it about that? I, I sit back and ask yourself, is it that I want prestige? Do I want to feel important? Do, do I want money? I don't think those are holistic in your career. I've led teams of two. I've led teams of 45. But I've always gone ahead and said, what is it about that role that you want me to do that energizes me? And then don't worry about the title. I think too many people I just see, I, I think really that's the bad thing about education right now is we've, you know, when I first went to school, I didn't study cybersecurity, you know, I, I, I double MBA first and then went back and got my IT degree. But we, they never trained us for a title. And too much today, they're like, if you do this, then you'll be a security engineer. If you do this, then you'll be a security analyst. If you do this, then you'll earn this much money. I think that's, that's another reason why it's been a problem in our industry is instead of teaching skill sets that can translate across various areas, we're instead training people for a title. So I would just tell people, be the best you can be, learn how to, to work well with people, learn technology really well, try to go ahead and constantly, like you and I do, we read all the time, right? We don't worry about continuing education credits because we do 1,200 hours of extra study a year at least. As long as you do that, you're going to be okay regardless of what the title is. But when you look for a position, instead, go ahead and look at, at the guts of the position and see if that guts of the position 
align with you and you're going to be okay. There's there's positions sometimes there are directors, sometimes they're senior directors, sometimes they're VPs, some executives. I've had director roles that paid me way more than a VP role. Don't worry about that. Get away from titles. Get get more to what is at the core of what that position wants. And just know, especially in our field, those titles are going to keep changing. So I know that probably didn't quite answer your question, but I tell people don't aspire to be a CISO. Don't aspire to be a CTO. Don't aspire to be CIO. Look about instead what it is about those roles that energize you and then start acquiring those skill sets. And then you will fruition at some point in time to whatever that is. I like that. So you're basically a good way of just framing it as sentences, aspire to be you and what mm-hmm. you want to achieve. And the thing is like, you know, don't look at the titles, you know, when you see the job posting, see if it's something resonates with you. If this is something you want to do, then go for it. But don't just go chasing the titles. Cause yeah, I think in the point you made earlier, which is like, yeah, you can be a director and you get paid more than like a CISO or a VP. That is absolutely true. Um, on that front. And what do you think at that? How, how do you think people should notice certain red flags? So say, for example, you join a company and, you know, you thought this was the perfect position for you. What are some of the red flags that you seem to find to really showcase that, Hey, you may want to just keep one foot in one foot out at this time. Consistently in my career, when I didn't trust my internal gut during the interview process, it's always come back to Burmy. When you are interviewing with the company, remember you are interviewing them and really listen to your gut. Your gut goes, eh, you're right. I've yet to see that that's not happening. When, when you go ahead and you say, well, I kind of didn't trust my gut. I went with it. And then like day one, my onboarding was horrendous. My first meetings went horrendous. I had, a, I had a, uh, a company one time. They didn't introduce me to the company for six weeks. <sighs> okay. That was like my 20th red flag. Oh my God. Okay. You know, it's like kind of like when I tell people, it's almost like a date, right? You go on that first date and you're like, mm. how many times is that second date? You're like, oh, my first date was totally wrong. Not in my lifetime, that first date that you're like, oh, my God, I really should have just done the five minute Starbucks coffee, which is what I always do, because, you know, you can leave very quickly. But I've yet to find that 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 internal gut was not right. Um, The other thing is to the old average, you know, it seemed too big to be true. I think it is too true when people say, hey, we know that we have had a very toxic culture. And we know we had 35 or 55% churn rate. And we, we know that, that people are making all these complaints, but we want to start with you and churn the jive. I've yet to see that be the truth. I'm like, maybe it's been, maybe you should circle back in 18 months that so they've had 18 months to start to try and churn that tide. Cause especially if you are a transformer, like you and I are, if we, if you are naturally a transformer and they bring you into the company and technology to now be like the first people to start the transformation, you know, you might have a thousand people immediately against you. Yeah. You know, maybe you should be more like the 20th person that they bring in on the transformation team. You know, I've learned from hard examples that way. If not, if you're going to do that, I'd rather go in as a consultant, 
let me go and consult and let me do the valuation, what we really need and do that way versus coming in as being like, hey, we need the first thing. And obviously the other thing about startups, hyper growth is be very careful. They hire, you know, ahead of the curve. And then, but, the, but they're a lot of times they keep changing every nanosecond. So you get there and then you find out that everything they said that what you're supposed to be doing and going to do, they're not even there yet. So yeah. do all this other stuff instead, get there. That's an example real quickly. And I would tell you that enough of us have been through it that I'll tell you me personally, if you ever interview with me, be transparent that way and I'll never hold it against you. I will hold you not being honest with me against you, but not you saying, hey, I went to work for this company. And as soon as I got there, you know, the bill of goods that I was sold was not there. And I'm being true to myself, my authentic self. And I needed to spin out, wish them well. But it was not it was not the job, not the role, not the company that, you know, I thought it was. We just were on, you know, two different playing fields. Be true to your authentic self and you're going to be okay. Yeah. And you also want to think of if the environment isn't healthy, chances are it probably won't grow. Yeah. Toxicity <laughs> is toxicity. Yeah. And you're going to have more breaches too. Hands down, you will have more. You won't even see any security plans in place. Or if you do have an instant response plan, you find it's from like 2009 and you're in 2023. Like that does happen in environments such as what you were describing earlier. And just a quick note on that too. And just because someone says they're SOC 2, type 2, whatever, doesn't mean anything. I, I, you know, I've been lead assessor around the world. And I've seen enough people that luckily I was not their assessor because I would have blown them out. I know if I had you on my team, you would have blown them out with me. But, you know, I've read enough bogus reports um, in my life. Be careful just because they say they're SOC 2, whatever. Good companies out there too, but don't ever go with a company based on what certifications they say they have. It doesn't mean that that's what they're holistically. They need to be, need to be known, documented, implemented, measured and managed day in, day out. Security by design, privacy by design, compliance by design, enterprise risk management by design default. If you're that holistic, need to go ahead and check those balances. But your gut is right 99.99999% of the time. Yeah. And there is a difference between feeling anxious and then feeling like gut. So like I think one person discovered too is a gut, it's going to be very silent. You're not going to hear a thing. You're just going to feel it inside you and it's going to be very faint. Um, if it's anxious, it's going to be very, very loud. And so yeah. you have to be like really in tune with yourself and to be able to pick up on it. The other, the flag that I started realizing was onboarding. So when you accept the position, see how they go about it. Like when they give you your paperwork, are there mistakes? Are they doing it delayed? Were they prepared? Did they have the wrong date for you when you're starting? Was there a bad communication on your first day? Like those are some, I mean, if one of those happens, sure. But if multiple things like that happen, that's a huge gut reaction that this is a company that people are burned out. This is not a, probably a good place for you. Yeah. I started a company and their first words out of their mouth and I like had ring the bell and ring the bell and try and get in and stuff like that. And answer the door like, who the hell are you? Note to self, that was not good. Nope. That didn't change. Good. Did not change. So yeah, trust your gut. And one thing I do is gut is in your belly. It's in your gut. Anxiousness is, is really in your chest, short breathing. Oh, that's a good one. And, and definitely don't stay at a company for getting panic attacks. um well thank you so much for being on here rebecca it was such a pleasure to have you i must have you come back soon 
Um, is there any last parting words of wisdom that you have for our listeners? Just stay authentic to yourself. And when you look at companies work at their, if their framework is hope and pray, it will be okay in any area of the company. I would advise you to stay away and let them go ahead and mature a little bit before you go back. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Please follow um, Soulful CXO and I appreciate your time today. Excellent. I'll catch everyone later. See you on the next episode. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast with Chloe Mastagi, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.